Good morning. If you'll have a seat, turn with me in your Bibles as we continue our journey together, even in, through the Advent season, looking at the hope of Christ, reversing the curse that we got ourselves into. So we're going to now go into the life of Moses and see really how Jesus appears there, glorious, and the hope that Moses points to. And we will spend most of the time in Exodus chapter 6. So if you want to mark that in your Bibles. Freedom. Freedom. Maybe you hear that word and you can hear William Wallace or Mel Gibson as William Wallace cry out for freedom, a longing to be released from captivity, the longing to be freed from long shanks that Tyrannal, uh, tyrannical, the king that was tyranny, that's it. <laughs> Freedom. What are you in bondage with? What addictions do you still wrestle with? What fears? What darkness? What longness, longings do you still have? Still wanting to call Freedom. Really what we need is someone like William Wallace. Maybe that's why we are attracted to a movie like Braveheart. Because we see in that man a warrior, a true warrior. One who's willing to fight for the freedom of his people. One who's willing to go toe-to-toe with those who have power. And those who are abusing power. One who has a plan to rescue his people. One that not only has a plan, but one who is also willing to lead his people through that plan. And one who would be willing to even offer up his life at the success of freedom for his people. It's an incredible story because it really points to God and God's own Son and God's willingness to rescue us and bring his only Son as our ultimate warrior willing to free us from sin and captivity. It's Jesus. As we look through the Bible, we see that God has a plan to rescue His people. He really does. And we saw very early in God's Word, in the beginning of Genesis, is that we've made a mess out of it. God made us for Himself. He made us to worship and to know Him and to love Him and to have a relationship with Him that's real and gives us life. That we can walk with God, our Maker, in the cool of the evening. But we rebelled. We said we want to be God ourselves, and in that rebellion we brought on this curse, and we brought on this death, and do you ever wonder why life is so hard, even now? Even those longings now, with all that we have, all the abundance of stuff, and all the friends and family at church, it still hurts, because there's this curse that only Jesus could reverse, and yet there's more to come. When you look at God's Word, you'll see that God has a very clear plan to rescue His people. God could have been just to say, you know what, we've messed it up and I'm going to leave them on their own. I'm going to turn my back on them and I'm going to say, forget them. And and just go on and do something else. But God says, no, I love these people that I've created and I'm not going to forget them. I'm going to continue to rescue them. I'm going to continue to go after them. We have such good news. And God has a plan. Listen, if you're here wondering today, does God have a plan for your life? He does. If you're here wondering, you say, does God have a plan for this world? I mean, turn on the TV and say, where are you? What is your plan? All I see is curses. Where are the blessings? God does have, always has had, always will have a plan 
for his creation and for his image bearers. And it's a good one. And it won't fail. Now we read through the Bible and really we see that plan. We wonder, is God kind of making this up as he goes along? Because you see God's people, they're always wandering. They're always missing it and messing up. And you start to wonder, maybe God has multiple plans. Maybe God is a God who will try this for a little while and that doesn't work. And he'll come over with judges now. And, and maybe judges didn't work. We'll get some kings in there. And the kings didn't work. And I'll send my son. Well, they nailed him to the cross. And many people will look at the Bible and say, this God's plan isn't very good. This God's plan seems to have a lot of twists and turns in it. He seems to have a lot of plans, and he doesn't. You see, his plan is one plan that's unfolding. As we read it from Genesis to Revelation, we're going to see that there really is just one plan. One plan to rescue his people. And he's going to be a strong and mighty enough God to make sure that plan succeeds. It's an incredible plan. It's a beautiful plan. And it's what we call through redemptive history is that plan has unfolded for us. God has just one A plan. He's got one plan. Not only that, God has just one warrior. He's got just one hero. He's got just one rescuer. And when we look through the Bible, we see that there are many people that God raises up that seem to be rescuing his people. There seems to be a lot of heroes, uh, different judges, different kings, different people that God uses. But really, what they all do is they point to the one who will never fail. The one who is ultimate. The one that is his son. You see, we got something so much better than William Wallace. And we had to be freed from something so much more than, than a king that was oppressing us. We had to be freed from our sin and we had to be freed from death. And God would love us so much that he would send his only son to come and to rescue us. He is the hero. Jesus is his name. He's the hero from Genesis to Revelation. He's the hero today. He was a hero yesterday. He'll be the hero tomorrow. The entire story is about him. And when we look at the life of Moses, nowhere in the Old Testament do we see one who points to Jesus more clearly than Moses. When you read the Old Testament, read it through the lenses of Christ and the resurrected hope, and you will see Jesus appear. And what's really glorious is as the heroes fail, and even... Moses himself, this one who would speak face to face with God, his, his own sin disqualified him from the promised land. Jesus was perfect. And not only was he not disqualified, he qualifies us for the promised land. But again, no one points to Jesus more clearly than Moses. Let's look at God's word, Exodus chapter 6. There's so many things we could look at as we were beginning this story. But here's where we're going to start. We're going to start with understanding the story of rescue, the story of redemption, the story of God rescuing and saving his people. Because, listen, if we don't understand this story, we don't understand the Bible story. If we don't understand this story, we'll never understand the Christmas story as well. Exodus chapter 6, mindful that we're reading God's holy and errant word. Exodus 6, verse 1. But the Lord said to Moses, Now you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, this king. With a strong hand he will send them out, and with a strong hand he will drive them out of this land. What's happening here is God's people are in slavery. They're in slavery. They're being abused. All of God's promises seem so far out of touch. God promised so much, and he's delivering so little it looked like. 
Here they were, they were multiplying. God's people was multiplying like he said they would. But there was no promised land in sight. There was no freedom in sight. As a matter of fact, they were being controlled. They were being abused. They were being destroyed. And God says, I will deliver you. I will rescue you. Verse 2, God spoke to Moses and said to him, I am the Lord. I appeared to Abram, Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob as God Almighty or El Shaddai. But by my name, the Lord, really, the word that really says is what this, by my name, Yahweh, I do not make myself known to them. I've established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land in which they lived as sojourners. Moreover, I have heard the groaning of the people of Israel, whom the Egyptians hold as slaves, and I've remembered my covenant. Listen, let's just stop there and just know. For all of you right now that are groaning, for all of you who feel like you're still in captivity because of sin or a relationship or the past, God hears those who groan. Verse 6, say therefore to the people of Israel, I am Yahweh, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. I will take you to be my people, and I will be your God. And you shall know that I am the Lord your God, who has brought you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will bring you into the land that I swore to give to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. I will give it to you for a possession. I am Yahweh the Lord. Moses spoke thus to the people of Israel, but they did not listen to Moses because of their broken spirit and harsh slavery. You know what happens in the brokenness of sin? You know what happens when we are enslaved by that around us or by that inside of us? We have no longer the ability to hear what God is doing through a broken spirit. May God heal us and open our ears to hear so we can hear. Verse 10, So the Lord said to Moses, Go in, tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But Moses said to the Lord, Behold, the people of Israel have not listened to me. How then shall Pharaoh listen to me? For I am of uncircumcised lips. But the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron and gave them a charge about the people of Israel and about Pharaoh, king of Egypt, to bring the people of Israel out of the land of Egypt. Will you please pray with me? Father, as we celebrate the first coming of your son and all that that means, That he came to release us from the bondage of sin and death and suffering. Father, we thank you for your love to send him to rescue us. We thank you for the release from sin and bondage that we have in Christ Jesus. But God, we're still hurting. We're still broken. There's so many things that are still holding us in slavery. So God, would you come and speak because we have broken spirits and broken hearts. We can't even hear. But God, we ask your spirit would come and speak clearly to us through your word, through this table, through the songs. Because we need to have the good news of Jesus again today. We pray all this in Christ's powerful name. Amen.
The amazing thing about this story is this. If we don't get this story when we read the Bible, if you don't understand the story of God rescuing His people, of redemption, especially in the Old Testament, of God's people through Egypt, you won't understand the Bible story. It's interesting. Let's put ourselves in their sandals. Because Moses, this prophet of God who would speak face to face with God, he's the one who is writing this. And the first time that these stories are being told and these stories are being experienced is after they've experienced redemption. Let me say it a little bit more clearly. It's this. We've been talking about what God has done as Lord of creation. We've been talking about so far what God has done in the beginning. And we've gotten all the way up to this Exodus story. But really, now is where we catch up to time. It's like if we've been T-bowing this story, and right now we hit live, because really what's happening now is the people have been released from slavery. They've experienced those plagues. That Red Sea thing is still fresh in their mind. they got manna in their teeth. And they are experiencing and hearing the story. Now listen, they could not understand who God is as Lord of creation until they understood who God is as Lord of redemption. That this is a covenant God that loves them, is going to rescue them and free them and set them free. And after they've understood the rescue of God, now he kind of tells them the rest of the story. This is how it all began. This God, this God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob that promised you this this land, he's more than any other God. He's the real, true, living God. He is the one who created all things. This is God Almighty. This is the one who's entered into relationship with us. But until they understood God of redemption, they did not understand God of creation. Why is this important? Until we understand the Jesus story, that Jesus is God's answer for sin and slavery. Until we see Jesus as Lord of redemption, we don't understand the Christmas story. We don't understand why God would send his son in a manger and all those funny, those, those songs and those things that we sing. But really, we got to see Jesus as he rightly is. God's provision to rescue you and me from bondage and slavery. So this Christmas season, where are you? Do you have the hope of Jesus as Lord and Savior? Do you know him rightly? Or are you outside the story trying to look in and just see a baby born in a manger? He's so much more. He truly is Lord of creation, and he is also Lord of recreation. But once the people of God experienced this, once they knew it, they were given the rest of the story. And now we can see very clearly that God has a plan for rescue. The Bible seems to repeat itself. The Bible, really what it's doing is this plan unfolds. It's amazing. It gives us a recipe of rescue. And if we look at the life of Moses and we compare it to the life of Jesus, we say, wow, God of wonders. Everything about Moses pointed to one who was going to come that was greater. God of wonders. Everything about this Exodus story is about a story that's going to come. A story about Jesus leading us out of our Egypt of sin and slavery into the promised land. As we put ourselves into the sandals of the first people hearing this story, we realize that we too are on a similar trek home and the fulfillment of God's promises. Well, we have this recipe that's very clearly given to us in the Old Testament of redemption, this recipe of rescue, um, and it's one that we all long to hear. And really, this is the Christmas story as well. But what is this recipe? What does it include? Let's talk about the first ingredient. It's this. God's people in need of rescue. 
Clearly, God's people were in need of rescue. They were uh, in slavery. Uh, they did not have uh, their own land, their own identity. They were being abused. Uh, they were being uh, treated unfairly. God seemed to be far away, and they needed to be rescued. Let me ask you, do you think it describes our current day? You look through uh, what is happening in our world, can we not see people longing to be rescued, longing to be set free? Well, that's how God operates. He sees those in need and he responds. So the recipe begins with our needs, but then God would raise up a prophet of unusual circumstances. Uh, Usually it's like a miraculous birth, and we don't have time to go through Moses' story. So let me recap just a little bit for you. It's amazing. If you look at Exodus chapter 2, Moses comes on to a time in history where the Israelites are multiplying. There's so many of them now, they seem to be a nuisance to Egypt. And, and the king, the pharaoh is, is upset. He's kind of afraid. He says, you know what? If they get too big and too strong, I might lose my power here. Let's kill them. Let's, let's, let's kill them and, and let's uh, try to uh, uh, do away uh, with their babies uh, and, and maybe take out their girls. And, and, and then there's a story of the midwives and they don't know what happened. Boy, they're giving birth fast. But here was what Pharaoh said. When an Egyptian or when a Hebrew woman gives birth, throw them in the Nile. Throw that baby away in the Nile. But there was one who was born of unusual st- circumstances. In Exodus 2 it says he was beautiful. Can I ask you, Mom, did you ever not have a beautiful baby? But this one, they said, was beautiful, of unusual circumstances, and they hid him. They made a little ark for him, a little boat, and they put him in that Nile that was supposed to be used to destroy him. And God saved him. And God rescued this one. What about Jesus? He, too, was born with Herod, another bloodthirsty leader that wanted to take away all those who might get in his way of power. And Jesus was born at a time where they said, go into Bethlehem and kill all the boys. But Jesus was preserved. So we see a miraculous boy. We see a miraculous sa- uh, 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 saving of this child. We see a flight into Egypt. And there's so many things that Moses, Moses had a relationship with God that he talks face to face with God. He was a prophet unlike any others. I mean, these other prophets, they had dreams and visions. But, but Moses would go on a mountain. And he, I don't know exactly what that looked like, but he talked face to face with God. So incredible was this relationship that Moses had that when he came away from God's presence, he reflected the glory of God. But it would fade away. And so he had to put a veil on his face because he wouldn't want people to know that that was fading away. But there's a greater prophet named Jesus And when he was on a mountain of transfiguration in Matthew 17, not just his face radiated, but all of it radiated. It's such a greater glory. Again, so many things we see in the life of Moses that we see fully in the life of Christ. Moses was one who stood as a mediator for God's people. And God's people need someone to kind of stand up for him, a hefe. A man of God who'll say, you know what, they don't get it, they're messing up really bad. And you really deserve to wipe them out, but don't do it. Remember how loving you are. Remember your covenant. What would the other nations say about you if you wiped them out? Don't do it. And Moses was this mediator for God's people who were stubborn and stiff-necked like us. But even as a mediator, he wasn't good enough because he disqualified himself from the promised land. This is what Jesus is. 
He's the mediator. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And the only way sinners like us could ever get into the presence of God is through Christ Jesus, through His righteous acts, through His atoning death. That is the true mediator between God and man. Moses performed signs and wonders. We call them these ten plagues. They were pretty amazing. And again, uh, through the weeks, we might be able to have more time to talk about these because really, these plagues were really judgments against all the gods of Egypt. And God was showing, I'm mighty and I'm the true God. And Jesus in Acts 2.2 very clearly says to us that He performed signs and wonders. But you know what else you need for a recipe for, for rescue? You need to have a prophet of unusual birth. You need to have um, um, one who has a uh, unique relationship with God. But you also need a Passover lamb. Really interesting story in the book of Exodus. How God is going to lead his people out of slavery. He's going to ask them to do something really kind of bizarre. He doesn't even really tell them why. He says, I want you to take a lamb. One without spot or blemish. I want you to kill it. And then in some really weird kind of gory ritual, I want you to take the blood of that lamb and I want you to smear it on the door because an angel of death is coming. And when the angel of death comes to the Egyptians, God's going to see blood of a lamb on a doorpost and he's going to pass by. And those who are inside, covered in that blood on that door, they're going to live. Unbelievably, the Bible tells us about an Exodus story. You don't get an Exodus story without a Passover lamb. And then all of a sudden, the New Testament story. And as we sang this morning, behold the Lamb of God. That God is going to provide the ultimate lamb. Not a little sheep, but his own son, the Lamb of God. The ultimate sacrifice. Listen to the pattern of of, of Exodus. This Passover lamb now being washed in his blood. The angel of death passes over us. Being washed in the blood of the lamb. Now we have been cleansed from our sins. You see, the Exodus story is only a story that points to Jesus. The greatest story. And the story of the true Passover lamb. This Jesus has come. He has released us from a bondage. And now we, like those who first heard this story, are on a trek. We're toward the promised land. Are you here in Christ Jesus? Do you know that story, the good news of Christ? Has that Passover lamb's blood been shed for you? And by faith you've embraced that? Have you been cleansed and set free? But if you have, and it's my prayer and hope that you have, we are like those people on a trek, still longing for more. Now look into your faces. I know your stories. I know about your wayward children. I know about the loved ones that are struggling with their health situation. I know about your financial situations. Not all of them. But I know enough to know that you're like me. By God's grace set free by the blood of the Lamb that we can sing, Yes, O come, O come, Emmanuel. You have come and rescued us. But we're still not into the promised land yet. Still longing for more. And our hope and prayer this Advent should be this. Come back, Jesus. Come back again. Usher in the new heavens and the new earth. Let me ask you this in closing. What's your Egypt? What's your Egypt? What what is that that's holding you in bondage? What is that that's really holding you back and sucking life out of you? And let me ask you this. What plan are you using 
to get out of bondage? What plan are you using to find life and life abundantly? And if it's not Jesus, let me ask, how's it going? Because really there's no life or no hope or no plan without him. What leader are you following this Advent season? What plan are you following? What leader? Is it yourself? Are you hoping to find your own way? Or are you looking to God's own Son, the Lamb of God, and say, no, I'm following Him. I'm surrendering my life to Him. If you haven't yet embraced His plan and His Son as leader, today's the day. Today's the day. No more striving on your own. You can never release yourself from the sin, the bondage. Only Jesus can. But for those of us who have, by God's grace, let us be mindful that we're on our way home. He's given us a meal to remind us and to feed us. And just like those Egyptians, they had that manna in the desert and they had God provided for them water out of a rock. Jesus provides us with bread and wine to feed us until we make it home. Where are you this morning? Whose plan are you following? Whose leader are you following? Let us pray. Father, I thank you so much for Moses. God, I thank you for the guts that he had to stand up to the most powerful man in the world and to say you are, that you alone are God and that this man needed to be judged. And Father, I thank you for all you did through Moses delivering your people from sin and bondage. But God, I thank you for the reality that that man just pointed to a greater man. One who is both fully man and fully God, Jesus. Jesus, thank you for coming to release and rescue us from bondage of sin and debt. Thank you for the hope. Thank you, Jesus, that you, you are our Passover lamb. Thank you for your shed blood that has cleansed us and protects us so the angel of death will pass over. Father, we ask your spirit would come. Feed us through this meal. God, I pray for anyone this morning that hasn't embraced your plan of salvation or your warrior Jesus as their Savior, that today, today, right now, they would ask that you would come into their lives, forgive their sins, and Father, today, surrender to Jesus. For for the rest of us, Father, that are yours, thank you for your mercy. But God, we're not home yet. We long for more. And may this Advent season, we say, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and usher in the new heavens and new earth. We pray all this in Christ's powerful name. Amen. We have a meal to take together. And as the elders come forward to prepare the table, will you please prepare your heart for this meal?